your treasure that he has anticipated for a billion years. It means he looked with longing and desire to have you as a treasure and to give you away. And he waited billions of years like this. I can't wait. I can't wait. Can you hear it? Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of John, chapter 17. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all those who you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people who you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you, have, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you gave me, for they are yours. All those who are mine are yours, and those who are yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you gave me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled." But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I gave them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask you take them out of this world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth." Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe you sent me. The glory you gave me I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, 
and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, those you gave to me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory you gave me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you sent and these know that you sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you loved me may be with them, and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I did not want to preach on this. Now you'll hear me complain from time to time about things I don't want to do. I'm kind of that's kind of my gift is whining. I have the gift of the I have a, I have an anointed gift of whining. And I like to complain about these things. And, I, and one of the reasons I complain about this is it may, it may, may, not, may not track with it right away. And that's why I want to I back up a little bit. I, I, there's a reason why I come to this chapter, chapter 17, and I just, I felt, I just feel uh, like, a, like a beggar. I just, I feel like a simpleton. I, I, I have this sense, and, and maybe you have to understand my perspective. From my perspective, and from the biblical perspective, this is the eternal Son of God talking to the Father. And we don't have any precedent for this. We don't have, there's no, this is, this is, this is a conversation. We're being ushered into a window, a window into eternal things. And I honestly, I, I feel like a beggar. I, I feel like we're spectators of glory here. I, I, let, me, let me, as an illustration, this, this maybe as a, as a picture of this text and its place in the scripture, bring you back to the architecture of the temple. Now, you may, be, may, may, may know this pretty well, but in the architecture of the temple had an intention. It meant to communicate certain things. And one of the things that communicated was you, were not ele- you had an exterior court. Getting into that court was you had to have an intention to be there. But then there was a room, that, that the temple itself was a large room in which there was a table with the showbread, and there was a lamp and burning with oil and incense. Now, that was the holy place. And if you were a priest, you could get into that holy place. You could get in there. Somebody had to put the bread out every day. Somebody had to functions to go in. But inside that holy place of the temple, there was another room behind a curtain. And that room was the holy of holies. And in that room, you were not allowed to ever go. In fact, only one man one time a year could ever go. And he would go into that place and sprinkle on the day of atonement on Yom Kippur. He would sprinkle the mercy seat on the ark with blood, the blood of the lamb, the scapegoat. Oh, that was the other goat. There's two of them. But, and he would sprinkle it. He baptized it, as it says. And he, and, he, and he would sprinkle it. And that, the picture, that telescoping intimacy, like we, we kind of go in and then we go a little further in. Is, is, is meant to communicate something about God's majesty and eternity and glory. In fact, it's meant to somehow presage and predict and anticipate Jesus' own work. In fact, when Christ dies on the cross, that curtain, it says, that curtain that it separated for thousands of years, it wasn't the same curtain, but, but that curtain that had always been in place whenever the temple was erected, that turn, that turn was torn. Something happened. This text in John 17 feels to me like an approach to the Holy of Holies. 
It's a stepping in. Now, we've already been in this wonderful place, in this dialogue, in the farewell discourse of Jesus. For chapters, he's been intimating a desire to be one with us and all the hope that he, we have in him and, and all these wonderful messages of joy. And we've been, we've been plundering that, that cave of wonders, I called it, this, this cave full of treasures. And we've been plundering it, trying to get out of it and finding in it, oh, joy upon joy. Well, this chapter, even more so. And I, I don't know how long we will be in this chapter. <laughs> the Lord hasn't told me that yet. I don't, I don't know yet. I, I, feel, uh, I, I feel like I'm swimming. I'm out of my depth. Um, I feel like I'm in very deep water. I don't know where the bottom is. I can't touch it. And, uh, but uh, but I want to I see how, I want to see what's in here and what has joy for us. So I want you to join me as a spectator of glory. I want you to join me at what, the, what is being, what's being described here. I want you to have a sense, have a sense. Maybe the Spirit will give you the sense right now. Have a sense that you're somehow being ushered in, ushered in and welcomed, ushered in and given witness to the most holy place where the Son, the eternal Son, speaks the Father. Do you know there's nowhere else in the Gospels, nowhere else does Jesus pray audibly in front of his people? He doesn't do that. It's not his habit. He went alone to pray. And so this is unique, and even in his ministry. And they were able to be witnesses. They were invited to be witnesses of this intimate moment. You would almost have a sense, maybe a little more worldly, in a little more worldly analogy, of over, you're overhearing a conversation that you don't really belong to. <laughs> like, like you, 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 you're being talked about, but it really isn't about you. Well, then it is. But it's, it's like, it, did you ever eavesdrop on your parents sometimes? Just like listening to, want to listen to what they're talking about and see what's really going on and get the real story. I remember hovering at the top of the stairs trying to, try, and I feel like this is a little bit like what's going on here. It's a little bit of that sense. And as we lean into eternity, oh, Father, uh, Holy Spirit, we're going to need your help here. I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do this unless you're the one who speaks. All right, let's go. Now, what I want to do is I like to do this. This is my habit. My habit is we get this whole chapter out in front of you. And, and, and this is the first message on 17. Next week, we'll, we'll telescope into certain parts of it as we work our way through it in detail. But one of the things I want you to see are the bones of the text. I'm always interested in the bones of the text. And let me tell you, this is hard. This is very hard to... To, to read well. It, it doesn't, it seems to almost float. The, to the, con the conversation seems to expand and expand and expand. And it doesn't outline well, for example. And I think our Father in Heaven is probably saying something about outlines in the end, which is why I never bother with them. So, that was a joke, y'all. So, but one of the things, the anchors that I, that I was introduced by one of the commentators, and I, I think brilliantly, is this particular word. Look at it. Give. It's everywhere. It peppers the whole text. It's all as if to, as if to intimate in this intimate moment, this is all about gifts. This is this treasured moment of, of giving, this giving moment of the, of the Son. And it's, and it's all about what's the gift and who's getting it and who's the giver and what's the giving. There's something really gorgeous about it. Look how it peppers <coughs> the whole text. Look how it peppers the whole text source. Given, given, gave, gave. You have given, you have given me. You gave, you gave, I gave, you gave me. Now, let's, I can, we can actually go a step further in our analysis. Take a look here. The Father gives the Son authority over all flesh. Then it talks about the Son gives us eternal life. Then 
The Father gives us to the Son. Again, the Father gives us to the Son. But then the Father gives the Son everything He has. The Son gives, the Father, gives us the Father's words. But then the Father gives words to the Son. And then again, look at the Father gives us to the Son. You see, it? You see something kind of popping up here? The Father gives the Son His name. The Father, I, I can't wait to preach on this. I have no idea where that's going. The Father gives the Son His name, the Father's name. And then the Son gives us the Father's word. And then we come... The Father gives the Son glory. The Son gives us glory. And then again, look how it ends. The Father gives us to the Son. The Father gives the Son glory. Now, I color-coded it so it could follow a little bit better. So the black is every black sentences are all descriptions of what the Father uh, gives the Son. The blue are what the Son gives us. And then the red, though, I, I, I expanded on the red because the red, you can see it four times. The Father gives us to the Son. The fa- and I, I just, that's, that's, where all I, that's where I am today. That's where I want to begin. What the heck is this? What in the, what in the heaven's name literally is going on? <laughs> it's only in heaven's name we're going to get close to it. The Father gives us the Son. This is another way of kind of breaking it down. He gives us the Son authority, everything, his words, his name, glory. But what's the one thing? that seems to be highlighted and put in the text repeatedly again and again, peppering every stage of this wonderful prayer. It is Christ's reflection on what a gift you are to him. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> look, look you, I want to bring you to the edge of glory, the very edge of eternal things. Now, peer with me, peer with me. What is the son's delight? What is the son, what's the one thing he talks about? What's the one gift he keeps mentioning over and against of all the other ones? As if they only serve this one gift that he treasures. Why does he have authority? Why does he have glory? Why does he have the word? Because of the gift you are from the Father to him. Wow. You are, you're, you're treasured. You know, this begins to unpack and open up all those passages that talk about you being an inheritance, you being a treasured possession, you being loved. And I, I want us to grab this with both hands because what this is telling us and what this is going to give us confidence about right away out the gate is that God's rescue and love for you is eternally located completely outside you, completely outside the universe and its vastness, and completely outside the space of time. That was how he loved. That is how he gave gifts. Remember, the, the markers are there. You loved me before the foundation of the world. Uh, you get the glory I had with you before the world existed. Christ is saying that you're not merely a treasure he happened upon. You see, you're not a treasure which he identified and goes, oh, I'm going to chase that. But you're your treasure that he, he has anticipated for a billion years. Do you catch what that must mean? It, it means he looked with longing and desire to have you as a treasure and to give you away, the father to give you away, the son to receive you. And he waited billions of years like this. I can't wait. I can't wait. Can you hear it? The expectancy, expectancy of eternity, the expectance of eternal love. Oh, if this doesn't give you chills, it's because you're not close enough yet. Your head, you haven't stuck your head into what this, how mind-boggling this is. Oh. All right, yeah, obviously, I got worked up about it. But uh, what's the message here? What, what, what's the point? Well, so what? 
Well, you and I have possess something that can never be taken away. I, it's just, it, 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 it's so transcendent. You've got, we've got our, our fears about coronavirus or, or how, or whether we'll make, make, make our, make our quotas, you know, and, or whether you'll have a place to sleep tonight or, I mean, it's amazing the different, the different crises in this very room. And you know, how, whether the kids will be sick and things like, you have all these concerns and then you have a concern, am I a good enough person? And I, does God really love me? I mean, I look at myself and my sin and my ruin and my failure and my neglect and my, and what a, how, how short my attention span is to even love God. And then what do we hear? What is, what is your possession? What is the gift he gives to you? A love greater than time. It's yours. Receive it. Receive it and live in it. Receive it and walk in it. Receive it and adore it. Be yours. You are a gift between the Father and the Son. And it almost, it's a way of saying your salvation has nothing to do with you. <laughs> and there has, therefore has everything to give you. Because it wasn't based on you. It, wasn't, it didn't anticipate you. It, it was merely his good pleasure. What a God. What a lover of our souls. What a, what a wonderful security. It's a security blanket. Pull it up tight. <laughs> Pull it up and cover yourself in it. Roll up into it. Because uh, there, there's, a, uh, there's a popular thing now called a weighted blanket. I don't know if you've seen these, but they're weighted blankets to help you uh, sleep at night. And we, uh, Tal and I have, we, we've wondered about this. Is it legitimate? And we've looked up the, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it is or not. It could help with, with, uh, with uh, snoring. I'm a bad snorer. Maybe a, maybe a weighted blanket. It could all start with insomnia. And, and it's something pleasing, pleasing to us. The little baby's experiences when they're swaddled. There's something comforting about being wrapped up in something, isn't it? Oh, gosh, you see, I want you to wrap yourself up in this. I want you to wrap yourself up. And that's Christ is witnessing to his disciples and praying before them so they can hear, forever will know and forever remember, I was a product in my faith, in my life, in my joy, and eternal life was a product of how the Father loves the Son forever. And he loves you forever neither height nor depth, neither things past or present, neither angels nor demons, no power in all creation can separate you from that love. So I'm going to invite you that worship is like a, way, a nice heavy blanket to cover you and to give you joy. But let's go further than this because something else happens in this transcendent moment. I, I, look, I just want to paint for you this transcendence that gives you joy, but I want you to hear the imminence, how immediate it is. And it's just these words. When Jesus had spoken these words, he had just finished his farewell discourse. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and prayed. Is that what it says? No. No. Here's the twin reality with that grandeur I just painted you of eternal love. You're invited in just to speak. It's, Christ is modeling for you the intimacy he has with his father. And he told us to call him father. He invited us to the same name with the same kind of status. And we're going to look at that in just a second at the cross. But let me, hear me, hear me here. Hear me here. There is no special mantra or incantation to go to God. There's no special chant or spiritual tone. And like, I, I, I'm capable of this. I, it's, I, you know, I remember one time uh, uh, rebuking the boys about their behavior and my son saying, dad... You're using Bible voice, and you're not quoting the Bible. And I felt rebuked, right? I was using Bible voice. And I guess I have a Bible voice. I don't know. I'm not aware of it if I do. But, but, um, but in this moment, there's, there, we're being invited to a tender intimacy. 
in, in this moment. It's not, there's no grandeur here in the interchange, is there? It's merely, Father. And he said, Father, that's what prayer is supposed to be. And you talking to God. We've enacted this in our prayer meetings, Corey, and it's been a great blessing to us. And, and I'm hoping we can do it even more in staff. We talk about staff doing this too. But when we're talking and we're having a conversation about this or that, one of us would simply start praying and just talking, talking to God like he's right there. There doesn't need to be some special show of it. There isn't. There is no special incantation or language. There is just the son said, Father. Oh, you see, I, even as, we, as I was painting that picture of a grandeur greater than space and time, I don't want you to miss that all that grandeur boils down to, hey, come talk to me. All I want to do is talk. All I want to do is hear the pleasant conversation of the children that I was eager for for 14 billion years and waited, and I just want them to talk to me. That's gorgeous, isn't it? What a great marriage of transcendence and imminence right here in the text we're being invited into. Oh, what joy. What joy. Let's go further. Let's go further now, and let's, let's plunder this text more. For not only are you the gift, it always had to be a gift. And this is back, going back to the given language that's everywhere, and it's constantly. You had to be a gift. What am I talking about when I say that? What I'm saying is, you can't do anything to earn your salvation or standing before God. There's, nothing you, there's no words you can do, no act of sacrifice possible, which will make you pleasing to the Father. There is no weight, there's no root, there's no way to get there, there's no hill to climb that you can climb. You, we are all totally rendered unable by our sin and our ruin. We are in a place of immobility when it comes to God. We are not capable. Dead men don't, hell no tales, and they, dead men do not cry out to a savior. And de- it had to be a gift. It had to be a gift from beginning to end. And so it had to be a gift to us. And this is exactly what the scriptures take. They take this giving language and mine it for everything they can do. What does Paul say? Twice over, for the wages of sin are death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ Jesus our Lord. Was he reading John? I don't know. I think John was reading him because John was written a little bit later. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for a grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. So what am I saying here today? What's, my, what's the point of this part of the message? Is to invite you to put your faith in Jesus and trust him. And to wholly trust him and receive the gift. Belief is how you receive this gift. The word receiving is even in our text. And this is this simple act, this passive, wonderful action of receiving a gift. Now many of us, if, if, if my wife gives me a gift... Uh, it would be kind of uh, comical for me to do this, given, given uh, uh, our comparative wage earning. But if I were to say, oh, let me pay you for that gift. Let me give you something in return. Can I pay you for the gift you've given me? Well, that'd be an offense. See, even attempts or desires that we would somehow earn our standing before God are, 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 are a sordid rejection of eternal love, you see? You can't earn a love that, la- that, that began 14 billion years lo- older than you. You can't, what are you going to do? How are you going to stand up? How, what are you going to offer such a God? Nothing. The only way to come to God is with nothing <laughs> and to receive the gift of eternal life, the gift of good, the gift of his salvation. And I, ah, that's, that'll be my, my refrain to the day I die. I, so my point is here, ask Ask and you will receive this. 
Ask and seek this. And you can seek a renovation and renewal and that, that, eternal, that eternal love blossoming out of the Father's and Son's love, that love for you, that's, that's yours for the taking, yours for the giving, yours for the asking, yours for the believing, yours for the trusting. Amen? But I want to go further than that. Let's go further than that into this joy. Um, I, told, I told myself this morning with Melody and Simon, but I, uh, I remember when I was in seminary, and I'm getting, I'm getting my master's degree, ooh, la, 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 right? And so I can become a professional Christian. And, uh, and so there's a lot of traps there. There's a lot of traps and seductions there and a lot of folly. Now, um, uh, but I, they, well, we were required as a part of the degree program to take evangelism explosion, which was a training course on how to share your faith. And it was it was really it was it was actually quite a quite a good uh, quite a quite a good uh, um, program by the way. I encourage all of you if you have an opportunity to take it. I don't know that it's as relevant now as it was. It was very effective back in the day in the seventies and eighties. It's a little bit aggressive for most of us, but I still rely on it whenever I'm sharing the gospel with somebody. So I'm in I'm in this class, and here I am, a graduate student in theology, you know, and I'm preaching regularly, and and the the teacher did one of the illustrations that grace, it's by grace that you're saved. And that's, it can either be earned or deserved. That's the, that's the, that's the language in the, in, the, in the lesson. It can either earned or deserved. And he was describing how um, that, that image of you can't pay for a gift, you can't do that. And I'm sitting there listening and I suddenly realize I never really got what it meant for Jesus to be my substitute. Like how free it was as a gift and how it needed to be a gift and how unable I was to do anything to please or to earn or to deserve it. And I'm sitting there and I remember this really clearly. I'm in the room and I get this surge of joy. Like I just wanted to reach over to somebody and go, that's amazing. I, I just never saw that. But I couldn't do that, right? Because that would be admitting as a professional Christian that I didn't get it. What's the story there? I was already a believer. What's the story there? We're talking about, well, I just described a love older than time and greater than your imagination. So tell me, how will you exhaust your inquiry? When will you get to a point where you go, oh, I get that. I don't need to think about that anymore. No, there are wonders to discover. There are things to discover anew. There are treasures to have fresh. And I'm telling you, I know there's so many who yearn among us. You've been, you walk for the Lord for a long time and you'll see a new person become a Christian. You really see their joy and excitement. And you think, I remember being like that. Do you, you ever had that happen? I remember that joy. I remember that enthusiasm. Well, I think you can have it again. I think you ought, we all ought to be hungering and thirsting to hear it like the babes again, to hear it fresh, to hear it with new joy. Don't be too proud like I was to get up and praise Jesus for your salvation because now you got it for the first time in years and you're fresh with it. That's, that's wonderful. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, let me tell you, I, I know the stories of elders becoming Christians after they've been elders for years. Things like that happen <laughs> because you have the ideas and they bang around your head and you can say them and you can use in part believe them, but they haven't become a treasure, right? They haven't become the deep lasting fount of joy, have they? But they can be. There is in this love an inexhaustible discovery that's possible. And I just think that's amazing. <laughs> Salvation is the gift of God. 
and we could plumb that forever. And, and I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, invite you to seek this and ask for it from the Holy Spirit. And ask for, you know, there's different ways you can ask for it. You can say, you can go to the Holy Spirit, you can go to the Lord and say, please bless Chris so that he can communicate it better. Seriously, that's completely valid. I mean, all these different, please give me whatever I need. Give our church whatever it needs. Help my friend. Th these are completely valid ways. Now, there's one little other part here I want you to hear. Go tell somebody about it. Nothing, it's interesting, when you begin to tell people about the gift and love of God, how that opens up your own understanding of it. You see, it, it, we, we're not allowed to take all this love and go, oh, it's mine, and I'm not them, <laughs> and they're not me, and we're, we've got this, that's not, that's not what this truth is like, is it? You hear this truth everywhere in this, this sermon, everywhere in, sorry, in this prayer, bursting out, bursting out, bursting out and expanding, going into the world, going into them, going to the ones who we yet hear by their word, going out and praying for us today. He's praying for this room right now in that prayer. Those who would come to know him through, through others. Who, through, oh, this is wonderful. So, so, that, so, so much for our second point. So the first point was, um, we are inheritors of a gift from the Father to the Son. Beyond space and time. Praise him and revel in it and stand in it with confidence. Let's go a step further now. You could never earn or deserve God's favor or his love because Christ died on a cross for you. He died to take away all of the sin and punishment due you and to give you all of his holiness and righteousness and beauty and beauty and glory. And that's what we're going to keep looking at in the text. But let's go to the last part. Now, I, I outlined this just that the Father gives us, gives to the Son, and we've covered this. We're going to go over these, authority, everything, his words, his name, glory. We're going to go through those things in the weeks to come. But each one kind of comes down to this. The, father, the Son gives to us, and these are the three things in the text, and we're only going to look at one of them this morning, eternal life. Eternal life. Eternal life. 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 Eternal life. The, uh, that's actually what I just quoted there is John Bunyan. And when young Christian, when he first becomes a Christian, when he first, Pilgrim first becomes a Christian, he sees the cross and people are telling him, don't go, don't go, it's, it's a lie, don't go. And the whispers are coming and he puts his ears, fingers in his ears, it says, and he runs to the cross shouting, life, life, eternal life. <laughs> I love that. What a great image of passion for these things. Bunyan knew that well. But you give an authority over all flesh to give eternal life. Now, what is this? I, I, whenever I talk about eternal life, Look, you're consumed and you're being trained and we live in a culture in San Francisco where you want your best life now, right? Yeah, it's like, no, I, I don't want to talk about some by and by. I want to talk about a life I'm going to get some other time. I don't want to, I don't want to think about those things. I, I'm, I'm happy with my life right now. What can I get out of it? What can I put into it? But look at this. This is uh, in verse three. It's in the present tense. Now, this is not, there's a vision, Christ has a vision that this life, eternal life, is not something you're going to get later. It's something you get now. It's something you taste and live in now, here. And, and so what he's talking about is, we tend to think of eternal life as quantity, as a quantitative measure. Some endless, 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 endless. I remember thinking as a little kid, who wants to go and praise God forever like that? That just sounds, I, I can't even conceive of it. I mean, I just, I'd rather be out playing. You know, like I, 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 you know I'd rather be out, you know, 
shooting things. And I always, that's what I always did on a little BB gun. Uh, and I remember thinking, you know, guys, God going to give me a BB gun in heaven? No, no, I wouldn't even think that. It would never occur to me uh, to have fun like that. And what is this eternal life business? It sounds like eternal drudgery. But we're not listening properly to the text. Eternity only belongs to God. Eternity is God's life in himself. Eternity is what the son shares with the father. Eternity without beginning, eternity without end. When we began worship today, we said glory to the father, glory to the son, glory to the Holy Ghost, who was and is wait, forever. We located, we began worship by acknowledging and locating ourselves in an eternal drama because we have eternal life now. We have God's own life. That's the only way to describe this. It's God's own life that he lives with from eternity. We have that. Now, this is mysterious. Again, what am I, what am I trembling on here? Mysteries. How am I explaining to you that God's life is for you and can be in you and that you can live God's own life in you? What is that? Gosh, Chris, that's weird. It's just, what's going on here? That's, that's the only thing it can mean. Let's, let's see if we can open it a little bit as the scriptures open it and then we'll be done. What is eternal life? First, it's knowing that they know you. What is uh, the life of eternity? How does it begin? Knowing, having a personal relationship with Jesus and with the Father. It's this wonderful, it's just, it's just as simple and as plain as the nose in your face. It's merely this, this, this immediacy that, 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 he, that he actually, uh, he actually uh, uh, typifies for us, that he actually gives us an example when he says, and said, he lifted his eyes to heaven and said. It's just this wonderful entrance into God, knowing him, having a personal relationship with him. Oh, praise. Oh, glory. All oh, honor that the eternal God, who, who in eternity chose you, Corey, would be like, well, uh, knowing me, I will know you. I, this is intimacy. This, remember, remember, I remember as a little kid, you know, you know, did he know her in the biblical sense? You ever heard that expression? No, because Bible uses knowledge as a form of description of sex, but not just sex, only sex between a husband and wife, because that's knowing. That's that holy sacred ground of knowing where the two become one. And because of the God's gift of marriage to us, that's just a little picture, it's a gift. So you have a picture of what he intends with you and me, knowing and intimacy. Sweet, sweet intimacy. You can have that right now in this moment. You can have it by merely asking, by stretching out the hands of faith, coming as a beggar to the gates of glory. What else are we? We're intellectually, morally, and spiritually beggars. We're hearing the Son talk to the Father, and life is being offered. So know Him. But get this, it's not just knowing. It's not just an experience, is it? It's a knowing who He is, the only true God. As if to say, as if to say in this eternal moment that God to be who he is from eternity, there can be no other. You get it? That there's not, eternity's not big enough for more than one. It doesn't make any sense anymore. But there's this acknowledgement of this tender intimacy that is singly focused on the one true God. This, this idea, this, this is content, right? It's not merely a relationship that you can feel good about, but it's a content that loves that, loves that God singly, exclusively, fully, passionately, forever. It's the very same love that we hope for in marriage itself, right? Where, where Sarah looked at Ted and Ted looks at Sarah. And, and, you know, Ted could have, when he was married, gone around the room and told all the other women, too bad for you. Too bad for you. You didn't get picked. 
too bad. And then come back up to Sarah and said, well, you heard me say it. Now, a lot of people frame their Christianity that way, right? That we frame our Christianity as, well, God, we reject all other gods. We don't have to do that. We do it, but we only do it by, by, by the fact of the very singular love we have for this, for our God. So Ted said that effectively to all those women when he said, yes, to Sarah, I do. And I'll bet he can't remember what any other woman looked like there because his eyes were only on his beloved. That's our love affair with Jesus. That's why when we say he is the one true God, it's the only way we can know him. It's just the way he is. It's the way love works. It's the way true intimacy operates. So it's a knowing. And that's eternal life itself. That is eternity penetrating you and me and recreating us. Praise him. It's amazing. You're a new being because of this. You're a new being in the knowing. This is you and Ted. And there's no longer Ted. And Sarah was no longer just Sarah. But they were now a new person. Oh, the same thing is we're in the thresholds of beautiful love here. But let's keep going. Let's keep going. Eternal life. Because not only is it knowing, it's also growing. My joy fulfilled in themselves. The reason I like this idea of a joy fulfilled in us is this idea of something expanding. In other words, eternal life's not static. If, you're, if your faith has become static and not, not moving, you're not living in that eternal life anymore. It is meant to be ever-growing, ever-expanding, deepening. Deepening in its awareness, deepening in its fruit, deepening in its joy, fulfilled, filled up, play around all the way, maxed out. And that, that, that is wonderful. It's an exciting place to be, isn't it? Because if we would have eternal life and it would be true as a gift from, from the eternal love of the Father and the Son penetrating this world, it, it starts changing things. And you have more, which is kind of weird, but you can have more of that eternal life when you're older in the Lord than you do when you're young. It's wonderful. Get in the adventure. Get in the expansive moment. But don't, most of all, don't accept Christianity or, or in its faith as something static. And this is unfortunately became a product of the 20th century where people say, well, I came to Christ now. Let me do my business and let me run my thing and stay out of my life. And I'm a Christian. It's very, very popular to sell. I'm a Christian. And then, and then and, you know, I, I can't accept a Christ at Bible camp in sixth grade. And, uh, and, you know, I do what I want, <laughs> essentially. This is not, the scriptures know nothing of this. They know nothing of a faith that merely, merely was like a once saved, always saved transition, and you can do as you please, or you, or you can love as you want, or you can merely give him some token of affection for the rest of your life. No, it's not like that. No, it's not like that. It's the opportunity, there's an opportunity, a rich inflowing, indwelling inf influx of the spirit that's being promised. Eternal life is knowing, but it's also growing. What else is it? Sanctifying. Now, sanctifying is such a biblical word, it's almost useless. Uh, it's holy making. It's holy making. So eternal life is knowing and it's growing, but it's holy making you. It's whole, what is this? What is happening here? I, I'll tell you I, I, the way I would think of it this way. Sin and like little petty crimes of the flesh and the hard and covetousness and clicking on or reading the romance novels or, or baiting your heart with, with desires for the flesh or for, for uh, pleasure. All these different things. Um, you know, we struggle with them. We struggle with these things. But the one thing the New Testament says is that the, re the reason you don't sin anymore is because it's so incongruous. 
It's, it's just weird. It's, it's, the Bible has this weird attitude. There's not a new law given in the New Testament. Do you know that? The law has been done away. We don't even need rules really anymore. We're not beholden to rules. We're now beholden. We are now aware. We are now awakened. We are now quickened by what? The Holy Spirit. We need no law. We have freedom. The law is done away with. And what, so what's happening here? The idea is it just doesn't, when you lie, it's just contrary to, your, to the eternal life in you. You see? That's why you feel so wretched about it. That's why you can't live in it. That's why you can't live in your idolatries. That's why, you can't, that's why your heart is discontent with sin. Why? why? You know, it's funny. It, it, it's a, tell a believer, if, they, you know, if they're, they're not going to be passionate for Christ, then go, go sin. Then get out of there. Go out and do what you want. Because you know what will happen? The incongruity of it will break you. A true child of God cannot continue in their wickedness. They just can't in their rebellion because their heart is broken by it. Why? Because there's eternal life bubbling up. The eternal life just keeps going, this isn't you. This isn't you. This isn't you. This isn't you. And isn't that what Paul says in Romans 7? That what do I do? When I sin is in me. It's not me anymore. I know it's not me anymore because I'm a new being. Sin in me is operating. Oh, this is a new way of thinking about your holiness. And it's possibility, because eternal life is holy making. Then finally, look at verse 24. I desire that they also, those you gave to me, may be with me where I am. And you'll notice in the Greek, uh, Christ uses, as he's used a number of times in the book of John, the I, I am. Then the Greek construction is clear. It's claiming the name of God. He does it twice here in verse 16 too. So he claims the name of God. Now, when you hear something here, I, you know, look, some of us may be facing death because of the coronavirus. It's just a reality. And if we're not facing it, somebody we love is facing it. And this could be immediate. This could, this could be very, very real in our lives the next six months. Or it could blow over. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a medical person. I don't know, and I'm not a prophet about this. I have no word from the Lord to give you. But I do have a word from you, Lord, from about this. Do not be afraid of dying. Because eternal life means the son had just wanted more of your time. He wanted, <laughs> I desire, of course he desired. He's been waiting 14 billion years to hang out with you. Of course, he, I think half the time Jesus is sitting there going, I wish they wanted to die more. Because I just, I'm, I'm raiding. I'm waiting for the, I'm waiting to look them face to face. Hold them, know them, cherish them. When people you love die in the Lord, I want you to hear this tenderly. It is the Lord's way of saying, I want them, I want their attention now. I want their, I want them. They're for me now. And you can't have them right now because I want them for myself. And this transforms fear of dying and even our sorrow over dying. We do sorrow and we ought to sorrow. Christ himself sorrowed. Sorrow is the appropriate response, but it's not like the way the world sorrows. It's a sorrow that says, I'm just ashamed it's going to be so long before I see you again. <laughs> but I know that I will. Praise him. Eternal life. Eternal life is a promise of his desire to be with you face to face in intimacy. He's really, in the end, Jesus is not content with where things are right now with you. <laughs> he wants your companionship. Isn't that precious? Isn't that sweet? Let's put our hope in him. So I hope this blew up eternal life for us in a way that gives us some joy. But I have one more thought about this, and as we add and close, this is what I picture. 
You know, I, how early did you get up on Christmas Day? How early did you guys get up on Christmas Day? How early did you get up? You didn't, you didn't know you, as early as possible. Well, now, when you were a kid even? When you were a kid, that's what I'm talking about. When you were a kid, how early did you get up? Crack of dawn. Crack of dawn. I'm racing down the stairs. And that Christmas day, and just to open, just to discover, just to, just to open and enjoy and see what is it that I got. When, how, how, now, what is our homecoming in heaven but Jesus' Christmas? You see, we, at Christmas we celebrate his birth, but his great Christmas is coming. <laughs> and when, what's this Christmas? I can't wait to unpack this one. Oh, wait, he's there too. Oh, wait, she's there. Oh, wait, oh, wait. And, 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 and the, the idea here that's so transcendent and beautiful is we are witnesses. We are inheritors. We are, we are receivers of an eternal love that cannot be broken and you're treasured as a gift. And that gift continues to grow by faith in the presence of the Spirit. And that, I love this prayer, guys. I can't wait to, to swim in its depths with you as we face the weeks ahead. Let's pray. King Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. We pray this word would live in us and sanctify us and create holiness in life. Father, may your word and eternal life be rich in our hearts. We pray for new worship, new understanding of the gift of grace we have in your son, new understanding of what the table means, new joy in you. Father, uh, give us new security, a new sense of being wrapped up in a blanket, by you, wrapped up heavy and tight and secure in a love greater than space. And a glove longer, longer, older than time. Father, uh, we we are beggars. We are, we are, we're we we come barely grasping these truths. But we know when the Holy Spirit comes and when the Holy Spirit fills us, these truths can become more powerful, more active, and your life can course into us and grow. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're seeking. We seek new life for those who uh, don't yet know you that they would soon give their lives to you and, and be saved. Thank you, Lord, for this, this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and broke it, saying, this is my body which is broken for you, take and eat. And in the same way, he also took a cup of, of wine, saying, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins, take and drink. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now, I invite you to this table if you're a sinner who, need, who needed eternal life. <laughs> if you're one of those people uh, being described, you understand you've received a gift of life in his love. And if that's where you are and that's who you are, this is your table. We come as beggars and sinners, as ruined people who, uh, whose only hope is Jesus. That's us. Now, we celebrate this every week to remind us and remind us of how, what wonderful security we have in our ruin that he has loved us so much with his salvation and his rescue. His body and blood was, was shed, his, his blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. Now, let me, I have opened the door as wide as I can, as wide as Jesus opened it, to be, to be honest with you. And the way is open, free. But the way is also closed to some. Who is it closed to? It's closed to you if you think you're a good person. If you think you're a good person, if you in the end 
if you in the end imagine that you are earning and working to please God, then you don't yet know him. And I want to gently ask you, if you think you're a good man or a good woman, you're not worthy of this table yet. For this table is for sinners. Now finally, if you're a skeptic and you, and you regard my, my claims about an eternal God being present in this table by his spirit or an eternal God even being possible to know, well, I am, I am praying that you will make a transition, that you will make a decision, that you will decide for Christ and give your life to him. And uh, would you watch us at the table? And I hope you are aroused by envy to know a God the way we know him. And that envy will lead to eternal life. All right, uh, let's, uh, so here's the drill. Um, these were prepared by hands with gloves. Nothing's been touched, so we're, we've been very careful. I'm not going to touch it either. I'm going to scoop it and put it in your hand. Uh, and so we're not have hands into the, into the, into the, into the um, bread. Now, I, this is, I'm being encouraged by others to do this. If anybody knows me, I don't think like this at all. But, but I'm, I'm doing my darndest to be a, to be a sensitive pastor and shepherd, uh, which, which would be a great work of the Lord. Um, so so um, uh, we're going to come up and we're going to take the elements back to our seats. And after uh, we're coming up during the song, back to our seats and then share them together and, be, and, and finish our worship together. All right. So let's, uh, let's stand now and let us proclaim together first the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Praise him. Tell me, Christian brother and sister here, first press, guess, well, what do you believe? We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, not just Pilate, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the life of the dying, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you.